Welcome to EdTech Journeys, the Wayne County Public Schools podcast where we explore the ever-evolving world of educational technology and its impact on teaching and learning. Our mission is to help educators stay up-to-date with the latest EdTech trends and best practices. In each episode, we'll sit down with experts, teachers, and administrators to discuss their experiences and share insights into how blended learning and technology integration are transforming education. Join us as we embark on a new adventure in learning. This is EdTech Journeys with Robert Yancey. Today, District Math Coordinator Andrew Bass came in to talk about his remote middle school Math 1 course. Created to fill a need in Wayne County Public Schools, Mr. Bass discusses how it all began, what his course looks like, and how he uses blended learning strategies in the delivery of this course. By teaching this class, Mr. Bass provides opportunities for students who may not be able to take Math 1 at their middle school. Now, let the journey begin. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Mr. Andrew Bass. Thank you for taking the time to join us on our podcast. Would you mind starting us off by telling everyone a little bit about yourself and your professional background? Yeah, absolutely. So I am the math coordinator for Wayne County Public Schools, but prior to this role, I was a math teacher for in seventh grade at Norway Middle School. Mm-hmm. And um, what happened is I actually graduated college with a health and PE degree and started subbing in Wayne County Public Schools. I returned home. And at that point, what I found was there weren't many PE jobs available. Uh-huh. So I started subbing, started applying. I wasn't hearing anything from anyone. So it crossed my mind, hey, there are some math openings. Let me maybe take a shot. So I started talking to the principal at Norwayne at the time, Mr. Ray, and he offered me a position if I could take the praxis and pass it. So I went the following Saturday, took the praxis, passed it, and been teaching math ever since. Awesome. Awesome. And and I'm assuming you, you just have a great love of math, right? I do. It was it was always probably my favorite more than PE, but I thought PE would definitely be an easier job than math. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so let, let's get into what we're going to discuss today. We're, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about your experiences with online instruction and, and, uh, and teaching, um, an online course with our students here in Wayne County. Um, tell me what, what is this course? What, what are we doing? And, and, um, what what is the purpose of it? Sure. So for the past two school years, I've been the teacher of a hybrid Math 1 class for advanced 8th grade students. So what we've traditionally seen are students who had a face-to-face 8th grade Math 1. But once COVID hit, we saw that those numbers really decreased and more students needed 8th grade Math. So we explored some options that first year um, coming out of COVID, so the school year 2020-2021, and we utilized the NC Virtual Public School. And we tried it, um, kind of beta testing it over at Greenwood Middle, and we found that it did work. It wasn't exactly what we wanted because they didn't necessarily always have live instruction, and they didn't have the schedule that we had. So there were a lot of concerns that we had, but we made it work. Well, as we kind of were going through that school year 2021, students were coming in and out of the building. We were having Wednesdays off. We had teachers who were completely virtual. Mm -hmm. And what we were able to see is that we had some teachers who were doing really well compared to students who were face-to-face, and those were those virtual teachers. So what we were doing is we were trying to identify exactly what they were doing, and we saw the big component was live instruction. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So they would sign in different times throughout the day, have live instruction, and then students would work on assignments after. Well, we noticed that the change um, wasn't very different between them, the students that were virtual, and the students that were face-to-face. So we thought, hey, instead of using the virtual public school, what if we held our own math one and made it a hybrid model where we would find a teacher who could maybe go out during their planning period that first block and teach kids at different schools and then pull in the other kids who are not at that school that day through a Google Meet, Zoom, mm-hmm. um, conferencing, web conferencing tool. However, we, did, we weren't able to find a teacher. So <laughs> we were getting closer and closer to summer, and I knew we needed to make a final decision. So I went to Ms. Tart, who's the director of curriculum sure. instruction, and I said, I want to do this. I know it's going to take away from what I do every day, but I think this would be really helpful because, number one, it would allow me the flexibility to go out to the schools I can also kind of double dip when I'm at that school, do other things, do some observations, walkthroughs and different things. So it wouldn't really put a burden on me except for the time um, that it would take to plan and different things. So uh, last year, school year 21-22, we had six schools with almost 40 students in this Math 1 class. And I will tell you, there were some hard steps getting started mm-hmm. for the teacher and for the students. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very much accustomed to someone standing over their shoulder and telling them what to do. Sure. However, um, what we saw after a few weeks is they understood the routine. They were able to grasp grasp it, the content that I was teaching, and they were doing really well. So we continued it again this year. Okay. Okay. So, so there is definitely a need for this. Can, can you kind of extrapolate on that need a little bit more? Because, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding is, is that this is filling a gap that Absolutely. some schools cannot address. Right. So at some of our smaller middle schools, what we were seeing is they had about 10 or 12 students who really needed Math 1. But because if they only had a class of 10 to 12, what it would do to their other class sizes were putting them into 38s and 40s, which Mm -hmm. no one would really want to have that many kids in a class, especially a math class. So what we were able to do is we're able to pull those students out of there, and then that levels out their eighth grade math numbers to reasonable amounts of kids. Right. Instead of what we traditionally did in the past was we would try to fill that class with students who weren't ready for math one. They needed that eighth grade instruction. So we were putting kids in there who maybe weren't quite ready just Mm -hmm. so we could fill a need for students who were ready. So this has been able to help us as we've planned and as principals have planned to know that, okay, if I have six kids, that's not going to be a burden to me. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to hand those off to the hybrid math one, and then I can plan for the rest of the students. Mm -hmm. Your traditional larger middle schools have not had an issue filling it because, you know, 25, 30, that matches the class size of your um, other classes. However, those smaller ones where you might only had six or eight, that would be very burdensome to them. Sure, sure. And and on top of helping schools balance out that teacher load, right, this also still provides that math one opportunity for the kids that are ready to take it. Absolutely. And the state has um, passed legislation to where we have to offer advanced math courses for any student who made a five on an EOG or EOC. So we know every year we're going to have at least a percentage of students who need this opportunity. But then we have students who maybe didn't make a five, but made a high four, but have traditionally made fives who they need this opportunity. They're going to be those students who want to take calculus at the high school or at the high school. So what does a typical math class look like for your for your students? So some days it can be it can look probably from the outside a little chaotic 
because I'm welcoming people coming into the classroom, like smiling and looking at them. And then all of a sudden I'll turn to my computer and start welcoming the people as they come into my Google Meet. Right. But we have a set time every day that we do live instruction. It's in all of the students across the county's first block. Mm-hmm. So that way we kind of have that similar time frame. So we start our live instruction every day at 845. And at that point, if I'm physically out of school, those students are coming in if we are um, if I'm physically out of school, those other students are coming in through the Google Meet. So we're getting started on our warm-up. Now, mm-hmm. it may not look like a warm-up that you would see in class because it's not displayed on the board or I'm not passing things out, but they go into SchoolNet and they start working on their warm-ups. Mm-hmm. So that gives me time to get everybody entered into the room, make sure I can do my attendance, know who wasn't here the day prior, get my notes and stuff ready. At that point, I give about 10 minutes for warm-up. We then go over the warm-up using a document camera and um, and – I just literally teach um, the warm-ups just like I would if I was in a class with them all face-to-face. And so we go over those. We have some really good discussion. And then we turn into our notes and getting ready for that teacher instruction. Each day we have a lesson. Um, The students who are participating physically with me, they are actually watching it through the Google Meet as well. I Also, if I'm out of school, I display it on the board behind me so they have some options. The students who are virtual or at their school, they are working on it through Google Meet, and they're able to see my screen and everything that I'm writing. It's really nice whenever I have multiple screens for that live instruction mm-hmm. because I can pull stuff over and get stuff ready to get pulled over. Like now we do a lot with the Desmos calculator, so that's helpful. Mm-hmm. But so getting back to what it looks like. So I do my live instruction. We do a guided practice where traditionally I may ask a lot of questions of students and they respond in my classroom, um, physically respond, we utilize the chat feature. The It kind of does two things. Number one, it gives me a temperature check on all the kids, but it also doesn't prevent me from just asking one student. I can now ask all students. I do pair that sometimes with Pear Deck, which is one of the um, Google Sites platform that we have, because, again, I can see what they're all saying and not just what one is saying. Mm-hmm. At that point, once we're ready, we jump into an independent practice. The Google Meet stays on, but I just mute my microphone, and the students begin working, and they know to use that chat feature if they have questions. But the, one of the benefits that we're seeing now with um, all of the district resources that we have in our district is that I can actually be monitoring what students are doing, how they're doing in inside of those resources. So if I need to stop the class like I would traditionally in a face-to-face class by walking around and identifying, okay, every kid's getting this wrong. I can now stop the class and bring everybody back together because we're all still in that Google Meet. Right, right. Um, We do utilize Canvas daily, Mm -hmm. so that is where everything is hosted. Um, One of the things that this class has allowed me to do that I wasn't able to really embed a whole lot in my classroom was the writing component. So I feel like in every class we should be writing. We should be teaching students how to formulate sentences and thoughts and ideas. So every day my closure is a uh, discussion board Mm -hmm. where they have to answer either a sentence that I've said that maybe they're correcting Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a thought that I had about the lesson. Some days I asked them to explain what they knew. So it just gives them opportunity to let me know what they are able to learn that day. Sure, sure. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the writing exercise at the end. It gave me flashbacks to uh, writing across the curriculum. That's right. Uh, back when I was uh, an English teacher. That's yep, right. Yep. Um, so how has this experience helped you grow professionally? Well, it has helped me tremendously. Prior to COVID, I will tell you, I had some basic understanding of the Google tools. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it came down to instruction, when it came down to assessments, I was all about paper pencil. <laughs> I was all about being in control. So it has really pushed me out of my comfort zone 
every single day to get in there and, and, and get on a Google Meet and teach through a document camera where I don't know if students are writing these notes. But what I do know is that at the end of that lesson, when they're writing what they've learned, I know that they've learned. So it's really pushed me out of my comfort zone. However, one of the things I will tell you I've had to learn a lot is how to multitask digitally. Like I was always good at that in the classroom. Mm -hmm. I could be writing my notes, but also looking and seeing how a student's doing. But when you have multiple screens up or you're displaying your work and you're watching these screens and you see students talking and you don't know who they're talking to, you have to get really good at watching all of those um, Mm -hmm. components. Mm -hmm. So as far as the students are concerned, uh, what what benefits are you seeing for them? Uh, what what benefits are you seeing in them participating in this course? Right. So there, I think it's uh, there's several good reasons that they um, they have that to participate. One of them is that it gives them that opportunity to have a different type of class before entering high school. A lot of our students at high schools will take a virtual public school. So what we want to do is provide that opportunity earlier for them. But I think the other thing that it does is it really gets into personalized learning Mm -hmm. because now, like, there are days where we do asynchronous days. Mm -hmm. And I can actually say, hey, here's a choice board. Figure out what you need, and you complete this choice board. Or we have days where I do small groups. So one group may be working on something completely different than another, but it allows us flexibility to really hit the students where they are. Mm -hmm. And then what it does is – we can come together at the end and they don't even really realize that they're working on different things, but they've all got exactly what they needed for that class. Right. So I just want to highlight, you mentioned choice boards. So, so we're, we're looking at blended learning strategies utilized in this classroom. Absolutely. Okay. So one of the things that I was able to do, um, prior to the hybrid school year 2020-2021 was I got to participate through NCDPI and the Friday Institute's coaching for remote learning. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those strategies that I learned in there, Mm -hmm. I just started implementing my class because I didn't know any better. I just said, well, these are things I know that can work and that are possible. Let me do them. And then what I was able to do is I was able to kind of craft those how I wanted to, and it's really worked out really well. Well, great. Great. So, so, where the proof is in the pudding, right? <laughs> so do you have data that supports this this method of instruction? I mean, what what are what does your data look like? Absolutely. So last year, what I did throughout the school year is I tracked all star growth. Mm-hmm. I tracked NC check-ins and then obviously summative data with EOCs. And every time we administered the check-ins, I would pull averages, I would pull medians, and I was just looking at my class versus the face-to-face math ones that we have for our middle schools. So what we were able to find is there were not much difference any time for any class. We were all maintaining pretty much consistent results. Um, What we noticed with check-ins is the hybrid class were actually a little bit higher Mm -hmm. than the face-to-face classes, but the growth students made in the face-to-face classes, according to STAR, was a little higher. So it was kind of balancing out. So it was going to be interesting to see how it turned out on the EOC day. So we administered the EOCs. Um, students across the district in eighth grade math one did wonderful, but my students actually had the higher performing than the face-to-face. And I think that's Hmm. because we didn't have to fill a class. Mm -hmm. We were able to pull the students who really needed it, Mm -hmm. but I was also able to utilize methods that I probably wouldn't have been able to in a face-to-face classroom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So you make it sound so easy, Andrew. (laughs) 
<laughs> so as far as uh, implementation is concerned, uh, what were some of the challenges that you faced? Uh, logistics. That was a big one. I had to get all the principals on board to say, hey, can I have all of these students first block? So one of them was like, well, we're going to have eighth grade um, elect this first block. So they had to go through and change their entire schedule. But now that they've seen the benefits of this class and how it helped them and their eighth grade math teacher, they've been a lot more willing to help out and to assist. I, I can say that all principals have been very helpful. Other things that have really been a challenge is, number one, technology, because mm-hmm. there are times when their Chromebooks die. Mm-hmm. There are times when the Internet might go down at their school or when they have to get moved from one class to another. So we've been able to kind of figure out solutions for all of those challenges. But some of the challenges, like if the Internet or power were to go out and I was physically at a school, I still do not have a plan for what we would do in that instance. Mm-hmm. That's happened one time in the two years during the live instruction block. So I picked up the phone. I started calling those media centers or those um, those media coordinators, and we were able to quickly get them doing something. Hmm. But it's just very difficult because in the classroom, you always can go to the chalkboard or you right. can always have those extra copies that you have. So those are some of the logistics that are challenging, but I think we've worked through about everything at this point. Mm-hmm. So were there any challenges as far as the students were concerned? Did you find that maybe, say, some students just didn't adjust quickly enough or adjust well? Yeah, we we had a few last year who started the year, and by day three or four, they said, this is not for me. Right. And I, I respected them highly for understanding that and not getting too far in it before realizing that this wasn't for them. But most students, I will say, even ones who were apprehensive around that first to second week, by the fifth, sixth, seventh week, you, you would never even know they were apprehensive because they're now comfortable with Canvas. They're comfortable with our live instruction. They're comfortable emailing me if they have a question mm-hmm. rather than pulling me over to the side when I'm walking around doing it, you know, during their class period. So they just had to learn the different methods to do the same thing that we were doing face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And um, behavior issues? No, we've been very blessed with behavior issues. We've not had any. We've had some who want to um, not take notes. Right. We've had some who want to talk when I'm doing my live instruction, like you would in any class. Sure. But that, to me, is just a conversation that I've had with those students about you're not just um, impacting your learning, you're impacting others. Mm -hmm. You're also going to hold the class back. And most of the time, those students quickly jump on board and they don't have any more issues. Okay. Okay. And would you say engagement is pretty high with the students as far as the subject is concerned? Absolutely. I think, you know, traditional school face-to-face classrooms we think, okay, well, if all students have the pencil in their hand and they're working on a worksheet, well, then the engagement is great. Mm. But we don't really know what they're doing with that pencil or that paper. (laughs) Whereas in my class, when they may be working on their computer and staring at a screen, I can quickly see if they're getting the right answers. Mm -hmm. I can quickly see if they're progressing through that material. So engagement was an issue for me in the beginning because what I thought of engagement is very different than what engagement is in a hybrid math one class compared to a face-to-face class. Right, right. So as far as district provided systemic resources, how are you leveraging them to to provide for the students in your class? Absolutely. So we use those all the time. Mm-hmm. And so high schools um, have for math Envision Integrated, which is the student consumable mm-hmm. for math one, two, and three. But they also have a digital platform, which is Savas Realize. Mm-hmm. So Savas Realize actually has everything that's in that Envision Integrated book. Mm-hmm. So I don't even use the book. 
we completely are digital. So they have the student edition up there, but they can also have the option where I can assign different things. Mm -hmm. And so I utilize that on a daily basis in my class because, number one, it's aligned to our standards. Mm -hmm. So that really helps. It also helps because when students are working on it, I can then look at it and see where students are Mm -hmm. in that assignment. I can see what trends I'm seeing as far as what number they're on, what they're getting wrong in real time, where if I was face-to-face doing it on paper, I'd have to wait till we were going over it or me checking it before we were able to see how they were doing. So that's the main one I use. The other thing that I use a lot is SchoolNet. SchoolNet has made such great improvements Mm -hmm. on how to create a test very efficiently being able to filter out what you want as far as standards and item banks. So I utilize that for my warmups mm-hmm. and I'm able to use the proctor dashboard out of SchoolNet to really see where my students are. So by scrambling questions and scrambling answer choices, I'm not concerned if they're working uh, with someone because I'm, or, or talking with someone during that point because I know they're probably on different questions. That Proctor dashboard allows me to see, oh, wow, number two is being missed no matter who gets to it and when. So it kind of lets me prepare for that prior to going over those warm-ups. Okay. So would you like to see this this way of running classrooms? Would you like to see this expanded into other courses or subject areas in the future? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I think it's a great opportunity for students who are at a school, at a particular high school, for instance, who may not have an option to take an AP calculus because there's no one there certified to teach it. Mm-hmm. But within a hybrid model like we have, we could pull students from across the district. The one big challenge would be getting them on the same schedule, but we probably could figure that out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think it um, is a possibility. I will say I'm happy to know that the teacher cadet program that um, is happening now in our district is kind of modeling itself after my hybrid math one. It's pulled from all students in the district. They're meeting at a certain location some point. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're hybrid. Sometimes they're asynchronous. So they're really utilizing a lot of those same blended learning strategies that I'm using, but they're using it for a different curriculum. So I think that's really interesting and cool. Okay. So so you do anticipate this expanding going forward, in, in particular in, say, curriculum that may not have a large population of kids that want to participate at one Absolutely. school, but be able to kind of pull them all together. Right. Yes. Yeah. We, we are exploring some options now for AP calculus, uh-huh. um, looking at schools who traditionally have not had that class offered. Mm-hmm. How can we now offer that to students? And I think this would be a way. Um, other opportunities that I thought about in the reason why it would work so well is because as we know, there are not many math teachers out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the math teachers that we we do have are being pulled to teach multiple classes and multiple preps. So this may be an opportunity to say, hey, let us handle those advanced classes for you. Mm-hmm. And then you really focus on that content of math one, math two, math three. Sure. Sure. So if I'm a teacher and and I'm being asked to go into a situation like this, okay, we're going to put together this online math class across the entire district and, and we're, we want you to teach it, you know, what's some advice you would give me, you know, as right. having gone through this for two years now? Right. Yeah, I would tell them to, to really think about everything that they do get it all written down and start thinking about what things are you going to keep, what things are you going to change, and what things are you going to remove out of your classroom. Because a lot of things that I found that I did in my physical face-to-face classroom, I do now. It just looks a little different. Mm -hmm. So I would have them write that down, really start thinking about what they want to accomplish with each part. So for me, like my warm-up, it's very intentional to spiral. Mm -hmm. Well, that was the same way it was when I was Mm face-to-face. But it had to look different 
because also when I was teaching face-to-face, we didn't have as many Chromebooks. Mm. So now, even if I was in the classroom, and we have a lot of teachers who do this already, they're almost paperless. Mm-hmm. So they give notes, they take notes, or the students take notes, but they don't pass papers back and forth. They're utilizing SchoolNet. They're utilizing the district resources in KHMH mm-hmm. to really help them in fostering an environment that's very similar to what I'm doing. We have one teacher in particular who she said, I know we're face-to-face, but I keep my Canvas up and running, and I do a Google Meet every day. And I said, well, tell me more about that. And as she explained and as she described, what she told me was, hey, if there's one student who's on a late bus, if there's one student who's sick, then it's really paid dividends Mm -hmm. by offering this. So she got into that um, adjustment during the hybrid year, and what she's done is never stopped that. And mm. what we see is her results are really impacted by that because now even if a student is out of the country, a student is on a vacation, a student is sick, they're still able to participate with her. Right, right. Wow, that that's exciting stuff. It is. Yep. Well, I, I appreciate you coming out and giving us some insight into uh, these online classes that we're sponsoring across the district and uh, or uh, online class with Math One right now. Right. Uh, but but hopefully classes That's <laughs> going right. forward. Um, so I, again, I appreciate you giving us some insight and uh, and it, it sounds like really exciting stuff. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Before we say goodbye to our guest, we have a segment called Five in Five. In this segment, we will ask our guest five questions that we hope they will be able to answer in five minutes. Are you ready, Andrew? I'm ready. All right. Question one. If you could choose one superpower, what would it be? Wow. Um, I would be... able to go anywhere, anytime, like morph into a space here and there so I don't have to spend time traveling back and forth. <laughs> That's very creative. <laughs> um, question two, describe one of your hobbies. Well, one of my hobbies is working on um, homes. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been doing that, my wife and I, for several years now. Since we've been married, we buy houses, we fix them up. And then we live in them about two years, and we try to sell them. And this one, we're on that two-year mark, so we're interested to see what's going to happen in the future. All right. All right. Question three. Name one item on your bucket list. I would like to go to all the national parks. Oh, wow. Okay. Have you you tried to at least go to some of them? Yeah, we've been to some. Very local, more local stuff. Right, But nothing out west yet. Okay. Terrific. Question four. If you won the lottery... What would you do first? Probably buy a boat. <laughs> buy a boat would probably be my first choice. Um, after that, I mean, definitely pay some bills, but buy a boat. All right, right, okay. Um, and then finally, question five. What is one question you wish people would ask you more? Probably how they... What can they do to impact education, public school education specifically? What can they do in their sector or in their life or in their careers? Okay, great, great. Well, thank you for being our guest today, Andrew. We have learned a lot about your work uh, with uh, students in uh, online Math One um, classes, and, uh, and we hope that, to hear more about uh, your classes going forward, and, and we hope you can join us again on the podcast at a future date. Absolutely. Just let me know when. All righty. Thank you. Thanks. Yes, sir. 
Thanks for joining us today. Please subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, enjoy your EdTech journeys.